0: Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Sharma Haider. Welcome, Sharma.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Craig. Pleasure to be here.
0: Shama is the CEO of Zen Media, which is a digital marketing and PR company. Best-selling author, two books: *The Zen of Social Media Marketing*, and a second one called *Momentum: How to Propel Your Marketing and Transform for Brand uh, in the Digital Age*. Uh, a keynote speaker who has shared the stage with the likes of the Dalai Lama and President Obama. Uh, LinkedIn top voice in marketing four times, Forbes top 30 under 30, as well as Business Week top 30 under 30, and uh, started out uh, from nothing. Uh, and, uh, and look at you now. So welcome. <laughs> Real pleasure uh, speaking with you. Tell us how you you got started. Where did it all begin? Why social media?
1: Well, thanks, thanks for that, Craig. And I, I genuinely believe if I can do it, anybody can do it. You just have to have a lot of persistence and uh, and not be afraid to roll up your sleeves. So yeah, it's so funny. You know, I, I think back to the days I started off and. And it was such a different world, and I and I know you know what I'm talking about. Many of our viewers and listeners might too. Where, you know, even just 10 years ago, I, you know, the pandemic, everything that's happening right now has accelerated things. But even 10 years ago, you know, the, you didn't the world as we know it didn't exist, right? Just technology-wise, and um, I did my uh, thesis, my master's thesis in uh, on social media when it was it wasn't even a phrase, it wasn't a thing. It was specifically I did it on Twitter, and Twitter had 2,000 users, so really early days for the platform. People would say, you know, what's Twitter? What's the <laughs> what's the Bluebird logo? So, so extremely early days for, uh, for social, and of course, it's been, you know, really amazing to see how the landscape has evolved, and um, when I graduated, I thought I would do what you're supposed to do, which is go get a job, <laughs> and... Uh, and and that wasn't happening for me, not just because, you know, this, when I graduated, this was sort of the worst recession we'd seen in 08, 09, if you kind of remember that time period and, you know, graduating and, and not seeing any jobs and, and I had a master's and I was so excited about this new upcoming space and I just saw so much potential is what made me you know, start my own company. when I started Zen Media. So arguably, we we're one of the first social media firms out there because it didn't exist, right? Ended up writing the Zen of Social Media Marketing because there weren't there were no books, there were no primers that people could pick up to understand. And now, in its fourth edition, it's used as a textbook in colleges around the world to teach the subject. So it's been really fascinating to kind of see that trajectory happen. And to get to be a part of it, right? To get to be a part of that world, which is constantly changing and evolving. And I know you you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so so it's yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, started out worked with pretty much anybody who would want to give us a shot at at helping them like navigate the digital waters. And and of course now we work with some amazing brands. Have had such a you know such a powerful, interesting sort of journey, riding the the wave, if you will in many ways and i genuinely believe we're just getting started you know i think we're just scratching the surface with what it means to be taking advantage of the digital world i think we're just scratching the surface and i think even the definition of social media has evolved so much because it used to be like people used to use it to refer to networks right like facebook twitter linkedin like these are your your social networks but really i think today it's much more like the state of the internet like how is you know it's just shorthand for how do you communicate with your audience digitally. So yeah, so that's sort of my story and how I got started into it and you know where I feel like um, where I feel like we're now and it's just so exciting because it's rare to be in something you know almost fifteen years in and still feel like it's just getting started.
0: Well, it kind of is. it's new every day and every week, isn't it and and yeah. uh, you know two 2000- thousand. Uh, subscribers or users in, in Twitter, that is really early days. Those are the days where social social media were message boards and uh, and, and the like, and a little bit of uh, file sharing and that sort of thing. I mean, what was social media or digital marketing in those days? Because that's, that's very early on.
1: <laughs> so I think a lot of it was, you know, uh, we've gone from, I think, a place of trying to tell people like, hey, this has benefits, right? Like, ed- I think there was a lot of education on why it's important right this why why digital and i feel like now for the most part i hope that we're not having that same conversation now it's much more the how part of it like not, i get it before it's like this is where your customers are going and it's like are they really and you're (laughs) you're making a case for that where now you look at it and like and, and you look at brands and like yeah we know this is where our customers are and you know for For us at Zen, we work predominantly with B2B and tech companies. So it's it's amazing to see that kind of progress as well too, right? Where it's not just something that kids do, it's for younger people, or it's for none of that. It's how all of us make decisions and uh, make purchases, make purchase buying decisions, whether they're B2C or B2B. And so I think that's where the conversation has really shifted more is this idea of like okay why should i be doing this to how should i be doing this how do i connect the dots i also think there is almost an obsession (laughs) with connecting the dots right um and it's just funny because it's like i think for a while because of all the analytics available and not that we don't have that anymore but i think it lulls people into like the bar is so high (laughs) for the numbers that you can get that I think the natural next step is like, how do I connect these numbers? How, how does this make sense? But it doesn't always work that way. So very recently I've become obsessed with like what I call the messy middle. Right. And it's actually you guys, Google, who put out a report talking about that very thing, which I thought was so fascinating because it's like, yes, this is, (laughs) this puts into pictures what I've been talking about, which is essentially to say people are constantly evaluating products, buying, there's all this happening, but it, while that's happening in sort of a circular funnel-esque fashion there's something a r- greater around it right like the exposure and and how often someone is seeing the brand and building that trust that essentially leads to the purchase but that messy middle <laughs> where the magic happens is hard to measure it is hard but it's more important than ever that you know we don't ignore that so anyway sort of a long answer to your your question
0: well, I'm so I'm so grateful for you to uh, to mention the messy middle. I never thought uh, I'd I'd hear that, but yeah. I mean, the the um, the assumption, I suppose, uh, is that there's a very sort of direct and linear line between the point at which a a, a consumer like you and I, you know, start on the journey. I want to buy X, uh, and then they make the purchase, and and you sort of imagine this as a straight line, but it's not at all. The evidence is. Uh, literally, the uh, the metaphor there, the messy middle. There's a constant sort of circulation between evaluation and exploration and comparing options. Uh, so if you're not really across these surfaces, and there are many that uh, that we dip into, social media platforms, search, YouTube, and other video platforms, outdoor, you know, uh, then uh, then you're probably missing something, and the competitors are there instead of you um wonderful thank you very much for for sharing that you you talk a lot also about content marketing can you can you tell me more about that what do you mean by content marketing and why is it important
1: well maybe you've heard of this small company called google That (laughs) is right Uh, uh, yeah i mean look content marketing is is it's again, when we think about how we communicate, how we consume information, we're constantly making decisions. And so part of what I always tell our, you know, our clients too is you, the world that you live in today, it's not about, it's funny because if you come from an older era, and I mean older, like the forties and fifties, and you look at that era, you, you come from a perspective of like trade secrets, right? Like whoever has, whoever controls access has power. Well, today access is very, um, you know, it's it's very democratized, right? You have, everyone has access. It's, and, and, and that's why I made, made that little joke about Google, which is like, there's almost nothing you can't find something out about. Like it's not in, throughout history through, you even look at the church, I'm a big, like I love history in general. So when you look at whoever's held power, they've controlled access. But today where access belongs to sort of everyone, I think the power really comes from who can out educate their customers, right? How can you out sorry? How can you out educate your competitors, right? And be able to reach your customers with that messaging. And so part of it is the more you share, the more you succeed. (laughs) It's a little counterintuitive to how we've lived through history, which is more about you know the hoarding information or this is our trade secret. This is now more about you actually show people, you know, how the secret sauce is made. This there, there's So it's less about the secret sauce and more about that openly sharing and inviting people to be a part of it. So I think content marketing tends to be incredibly powerful in that regard. how you, if you look at even, again, a lot of the tech companies we work with, SEO for them continues to be a really high, um, high ROI endeavor. And part of it is because people are searching. So it's like, you know, how do you find, how do you connect with people who are uh, problem aware but don't know solutions yet? Well, SEO is a great way, right? You And, and content is kind of key to be able to educate them and help them find those answers. And then, of course, if someone becomes product aware and they know what you do even better, then you can talk about your differentiators and so forth. So, yeah, I think you. Know, the challenge with content marketing, again, it's kind of a different conversation. It's like, should I be doing content marketing? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it becomes more now, you know, how do I stand out? Because there's so much content out there. So we think the idea of this idea of creativity and finding ways to really get your message heard becomes key. So this idea of branded storytelling that goes beyond just like content marketing, kind of where you think about like the old school long form blog posts. This is a, a whole different level.
0: Well you see uh, companies like uh, Tesla you know Elon Musk is famous for open sourcing his design which is kind of what you're 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 talking about when you talk about sort of sharing the more you share the the, the better um, albeit uh, in your case in a in marketing in a marketing world, uh, can you think of some good examples of content marketing what what 's the what 's a great example you 've seen recently in content marketing
1: oh wow, so so many good examples <laughs> but i 'll share two with you that I think really that that um that strike me as very interesting right now so one of the things that i you know I also invest in startups and, and look at opportunities from that standpoint my husband and I are both entrepreneurs and so um one of the things we've seen a huge surge in right now is like the Substack, right? People doing really like it's kind of back to basics with email marketing, but really good email marketing. And there's this interesting syndicate and it's on based on AngelList and it's called Not So Boring. And Not So Boring has started. And I, and I love it because essentially what they're doing is they deep dive into these different startups that they're recommending that you, you know, that they're investing in. And you can join the syndicate and if you're an accredited investor, be able to invest in them. But I find it fascinating because unlike kind of traditional investing, which was very much closed doors, again, very secretive these guys are like, here's why we think this is a good or bad investment. And they're breaking down the numbers. They're very openly cheering. They're building this community. So to me, that's a great example, right, of that transparency and and perhaps sort of even a niche market, because it's not for everyone. Um, Then you, you know, a general example, which I, uh, I'm a huge fan of of good marketing, (laughs) as you can imagine. The creativity is just, you know, it's amazing in every form, whether it's food or whether it's advertising. So I don't know, Craig, if you've seen that latest ad from um, Match.com. And they did this great ad and it was <laughs> Match.com did this ad on how, you know, the year Satan meets 2020. So <laughs> they've essentially taken our kind of global dislike for the year <laughs> it's sort of ethos and they've captured it so well because you see satan in hell and he's scrolling through his match you know things and he's like oh this girl looks interesting and he meets her under this like a rainy day bridge and it's just it's really well done and he says are you 2020 and she says oh you can call me 2020 <laughs> and then they unleash mayhem in the world you know it just you see these empty movie theaters, and they're just in, eat, They're the only ones in there watching, you know, the movie and eating popcorn and working out of the gym by themselves and uh, stealing toilet paper. So it was, <laughs> it was such a good. It was such a good ad. It was such creative. But I think you know that to me is a lot of where things are going, where those lines are blurring, right? From earned, shared, owned. And I said we focus a lot on sort of the the earned and the and the owned. And then you, but you just see all of this converge. And so if you look at it, it's like, yes, it's an ad, but it's an ad that makes you want to share. And it does such a great job, again, that branded storytelling. And you saw, it, I don't know if they released this in the UK, but here in the US uh, on Lifetime, which is a major network, the KFC did a movie. With Mario Lopez as <laughs> the Colonel, <laughs> which I just thought, you know, and even if the movie frankly sucked and I haven't watched it yet, so I, I can't comment on that. What I find fascinating is how many people got talking about KFC, right? <laughs> and so just to constantly keep your brand out there and people talking about it, again, that like messy middle, right? That that, that being everywhere feeling. And it's, it's kind of what we aim for. I feel like with all our our clients, that's always the goal is to keep them, you know, ever present in the marketplace.
0: Well, those are three great examples. I'll try and find uh, links and uh, put them below if I can find them. Um, Very entertaining, engaging sort of um, infotainment, I suppose you'd call it in a way. Um, the, The other thing that's really emerging at the moment is influencer marketing. Uh, what's your view on influencer marketing? Is, is it the uh, is it the new thing, the, the the big thing that's that's emerging, or do you have uh, different views on?
1: So you know, influencer marketing getting exciting here, getting into the deep stuff. So influencer marketing has been around for a while, right? It's not anything new per se because we've seen it for about 10 years now, and it's, the idea is that as people kind of lose trust in traditional sources. We look to um uh, you know, we look to influencers, right? Um, to be able to figure out like, you know, from everything from what what lipstick shade to buy to what's the best, you know, direct-to-consumer kind of shoe out there, whatever it may be. So and companies obviously are understanding this and realizing, hey, it's hard to build a community as a brand. Now some do it very successfully, but it does take a certain um art and science to it. And one of the ways To be able to enhance that is obviously to work with influencers who already have the trust of their community, right? So what I think is interesting and what we're really focused on is B2B influencer marketing, which is completely a different ballgame from the perspective of now you've got, it's not much, it's not more about kind of the fleeting, fluffy stuff. It's for, you know, it's really looking at thought leaders who are respected in that industry, whether that's. Whether that's tech, investment, banking, whether that's you know fintech, whether that's whatever you like SaaS, right, software. So finding people within that group, like that your audience already trusts, and so you see an example like Product Hunt is really interesting because if you get the right influencers on board, and we run a lot of Product Hunt campaigns and you know part of our earned media and so forth, is if you get the right influencers you really 20 x your chances of showing up on the on the homepage, right? You you really like it gives you this advantage. But I still think we're just scratching the surface when it comes to influencer marketing, especially B2B influencer marketing. Now, influencer marketing overall is changing because, again, anytime there's something new, it's kind of like the Wild West where um, everyone is jumping in. They're trying to figure out the rules. Prices are all over the place, you know, deliverables. How do you work with these influencers? And as things get streamlined, then you start to see more, um, you know, you start to see more kind of regulation or rubric. You know, it becomes more of a cohesive industry rather than like um, the Wild West. So I think we're somewhere in the middle of that right now.
0: Right, and, and that's a really fi- fine line though, isn't it? I mean, the influencers, people who have built big social footprints uh, and followings, whether it's on YouTube or Twitch or Instagram or whatever platform, they, they do that because they're authentic, they're engaging, they build a community around them. Uh, and then brands come along and they want to capitalize on those eyeballs, essentially. That's what influencer marketing is all about. And there's a fine line, right? Uh, there's a fine line that needs to be balanced between uh, really sort of going fully commercial uh, and alienating your audience versus engaging them more deeply. What what advice would you have for creators or influencers? Or do, do you agree with that statement or not?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting, Craig. So I think the end game to know is, is that it's value, right? I mean, you look at, again, YouTube, How many people are on here that do reviews and their audience loves it? And of course they know every single product is a review of something, right? It's a brand, they're reviewing Canon, they're reviewing, you know, what like their latest gadget on that's on sale on Amazon. So I don't know if there's necessarily like this automatic allergic reaction to anything commercial. I think at the end of the day, it has to be a fit. It has to be valuable, right? So for, and it's funny because I'm on both sides of the coin. I do quite a bit of influencer marketing, right? As an influencer in the B two B sort of tech space, um, so I have a lot of opportunities that come my way. And what I find is that I just have to be really picky and say, you know, what what would my audience really love? What you know, what are they hungry for? And then it's kind of like, you know, the the match made in heaven, right? Because I'm introducing my audience to something where I think that's a great fit, that they would appreciate and enjoy that, and it's helping the brand out. So I'll give you an example, um, you know, Power MBA approached me, I think they're based out of Spain, and they've got this alternative way of education in there, and it's really smart, right? You, you kind of have these micro lessons and downloads from some of the top entrepreneurs in the world that you're learning from, and they asked, you know, if I would share that message with, um, with almost like 2 million on social and a really solid audience of very smart leaders and professionals. And... When I looked into it and I, and I was already familiar with them to some degree, uh, you know, I had people on my team be like, this is so cool. Like, you know, they, I, I had requests for employees who wanted to do the program. So it was a very natural fit. It was like, well, of course, like my audience would love, would love this and they did, right? So I don't know if there's necessarily a, just because it's there's a commercial aspect, it's bad or if it's paid, it's it's negative. I mean, so many times as a consumer, I love it when someone is you know, recommend something that I'm gonna enjoy. Like some of the best, it's funny, some of the biggest Reddit and Twitter threads that you see is like, what's your best purchase under a hundred bucks? And I think you've seen kind of these great questions go out there and people love it. And the, the reason they love it is because again, I don't think that, you know, we don't wanna buy, like you have, we all have needs. We're always looking to, you know, fulfill them in various ways with purchases, again, whether B2C or B2B. Um, But I think it is about honesty and it is about, again, a good fit. So if I went out there and I tried to, you know, hawk something that I knew wasn't a good product or that it it wasn't going to be a good fit. Well, what happens the next time around when I have a message to share? You've diluted your reputation, which in the business world is frankly everything. And you you really, you know, you are your, your reputation.
0: Sure is. Uh, thanks for sharing the example, Shama, a very personal example as as well. And uh, yeah, uh, so remain true to your audience and, and add value. Great advice. Where do you see the, the future of advertising? What are the big trends that you see that that, that are somewhat being influenced, obviously, by this ever-changing digital landscape? Um, you know, what's your pick? Where is it all going? What does advertising look like? <laughs> like?
1: I, you know, and I, part of it, again, I think is we're that earned, shared, owned, paid is all blurring, right? So, we've got this great graphic that we use um, at Zen Media, and in, it has these like concentric circles. And I feel like more of that is merging. So, it's hard for anything to stay in its little silo. Um, you know, another really good example is Ocean Spray, where there was that gentleman on TikTok who made this video, right? Drinking this giant gallon of ocean spray. And he's, uh, and I think he's on like some sort of skateboard or something going to work. And, you know, he's, he's lip singing to Fleetwood Mac. It's a really organic kind of, it's a wholesome video of a dude is just trying to like, you know, make ends meet, trying to get to work. And he's, uh, and he's just sh- sharing that. And I think what was really smart was of course, ocean spray said, let's, this is great. This is already getting." virality like how do we connect with this and so they extended that through their paid right through their advertising they invited him in they bought him a truck like so you have to i think part of what is so much fun about what i do and what i i love that we we get to do is finding these moments right these sort of golden nuggets that you can then transform into these bigger campaigns and we've done this over and over for brands and it's just a lot of fun like and i think that's when you can tell that story, when you can connect it with something that is part of the greater ethos that people are resonating with, I think that's the future of advertising because you get so much more bang for your buck. It's not just about getting that one message out there. it's that sticky factor, it's consistency. Um, when we did these videos, uh, this whole, like the u s Navy' is one of our one of our clients. We do a lot of work with with nextcom, and they're they're great, great leadership, just awesome people. Um, and one of the things we did was we created these videos where in one of the videos, it's the the father and the son are saving all the holidays for the mom that's deployed, right? And usually in every kind of ad or commercial, it's always the guy that's deployed. Rarely do you ever see the focus on the, the woman being deployed. And so here they had saved up all the holidays that she missed. And then when she walked home and she opens the door, it's like a little bit of all the holidays they've saved for her, you know, the Christmas, Halloween, Thanksgiving. And it's not only is it just really touching. I mean, of course it was, you know, it is an ad um, in sort of the traditional sense. But I think beyond that, it resonated with so many people because it felt like, you know, and it let people feel like, hey, my story never gets heard like this. This feels like my story is being told. Right. And we kind of I mean good advertising does that it lets you see be reflected so i think there's definitely a push towards that uh, a push towards more you know we've there's so much talk about you know diversity and inclusion but not just as an afterthought but really think you know the best campaigns out there are the integrated ones right not like oh we, we've got a casting checklist we need a person of color over here but to think about who is my audience? What are their values, and then how can we sort of incorporate that into the story that we're telling?
0: Wonderful. So great storytelling, blurring of boundaries, and representing the community that you're trying to reach in a representative uh, way. You
1: know, diversity. Oh yeah. Oh, Craig, I gotta give you the, another example. if you could find the links to all these, these would be great. But again, so I'm a huge connoisseur of kind of good marketing advertising. But Carter's, I'd mentioned to you before that we went live. That I, you know, I have a 16 month old at home, so. Carter's as a kid's brand, I've gotten really familiar with. But I I also love their, their marketing and advertising. And when everything shut down, they make this great ad, this great video using their employees and their children, right, to kind of tell the story. And it's like got this little nursery rhyme that they created, and they got everyone involved. And it was just so touching, right, because your audience is parents. And so as a parent, you're Loving seeing these little kids, these, you know, parents interacting with them, their home. It also speaks to what's happening right now. So they weren't in a studio pretending that, you know, the world is not (laughs) going by. It was very much a, a, you know, a hat tip to what every parent to some level is dealing with, with work from home and lockdowns. And it's something that we can all relate to, <laughs> um, and so yeah. So I, I think that was another really good example of kind of advertising that's smart and that's current and that speaks to what's happening in sort of our our current, you know, ecosystem.
0: Super relatable in the in the zeitgeist. You're giving me some great examples. I'm going to be busy uh, finding these <laughs>
1: after
0: this, but I appreciate the the examples. They're awesome examples. I'm going to um, lead uh, or end with a. Um, Uh, more of a personal question. You started out with nothing. You've built a a, a brilliant company. Uh, You're a speaker. You're an author. Uh, There's probably people watching this starting out in their careers, uh, post-school, post-university, perhaps even considering a pivot in the middle of their career. What's what's your advice?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) One, and and it's funny because I just had this I spoke to this young lady who was about 12 years old yesterday who wanted to interview me for her for a school project. And she was so well spoken. It gave me so much hope for the for the younger generation and what's coming up. So here's what I think is, is really key. Right. I think it's very important, sort of practically speaking, to find where passion meets market demand, where just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean there's people willing to pay for it. And this is business. So if you have another hobby, go for it. I'm not ta- like <laughs> do that all day long. But if you're looking for entrepreneurship advice, I think it's very important to find that. What do you love? You know, kind of broadly speaking. And then where where is there an interest? Like if I was starting today, honestly, Craig, I don't know if I would start an agency because there are a ton of agencies. I think what, what we have a lot of going for us is that I got my start when it was beginning 15 years of New experience and case studies and working with clients and like understanding this kind of this world, all part of it also being just sort of digital native, right? But if I was starting today, I'd look at it differently. I'd say, okay, where is there a demand that's not being met? Where, you know, what is broken? You know, where and when I started, this was broken. And the good thing is again, you know, you grow, you continue to evolve. So I would say that's important. The other thing is if you are looking at entrepreneurship. I think you have to be a little bit of a masochist. (laughs) going to be completely honest, because you have to love solving problems, because the one guarantee in being an entrepreneur is that every single day there's going to be some challenge that you've never faced before. You know, something that you're just like, what? (laughs) And if you are someone who doesn't thrive well under that kind of stress, this is not the career for you. (laughs) So I think, you know, you have to know yourself it's rare that I meet someone who's an entrepreneur who didn't show entrepreneurial instincts as a child, like sold ice cream sandwiches from the back of a car, you know, like did, I feel like that exists. So, you know, if you do have that and you find that passion, you have that problem and you solve them, the other part of it is going to be sort of the most boring part, hopefully the most boring part of this, this interviewer advice. And that's to be consistent. You know, it's, Um, it's not a very sexy word, certainly in this day and age, where we look at a lot of kind of overnight TikTok stars, or just feels like, wow, someone just, you know, or people will read my book, and they'll say, Oh, my God, I just discovered what you do. And this is so cool. And I'm like, yeah, but I've only been at it for how many? (laughs) Over a decade, it's new to you. Right? So, um, and I know, again, YouTube put out some great um, uh, numbers to how many videos it takes to hit certain users and so you look at these people and you're like oh they've got millions of subscribers well those millions of subscribers the tipping point was like three thousand videos right so you really have to be committed and i think you have to stay consistent in the things that you're choosing and doing because at the end of the day you know success is not very sexy <laughs> you memorize it which is cool you know it's it's good to have aspirations but it's so much more in the mundane. It's how you do every single task, and I think that really adds up to to that macro of whether you're going to be successful or not.
0: You've got to le- you've got to love the process as well as the as well as the outcome, perhaps. I, I've spoken to many YouTubers and musicians who you you, you wouldn't be uh, accused of misdescribing uh, by saying that they're overnight successes, but. If it was an overnight success, for most people, it's a very, very long night, right? And in, in your case, 15 years of experience has, has led you. I've loved this conversation. Uh, it's a, a real example of passion meeting, uh, well, meeting market demand, as you said in your advice, but also meeting true expertise. Shama Haida, you were a, an inspiration. Thank you very much for oh, joining.
1: Thank you, Craig. Such a pleasure to be here. Hopefully, um, everybody listening and watching got something out of it. And- Happy to connect with listeners out there. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram. You know, choose your choose your social poison.
0: All the links are below. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Craig.